Oh, hey, Luna. Hey. How are you? Pretty good. How about yourself? Good. Um, quick poll. We just did what we thought was going to be episode one of the Hugs podcast, which is so potentially award-winning, it's disgusting. Um, what what do you feel? Because what we ended up doing, just for those that haven't seen or heard or watched it or whatever, is we turned it into the crashed pilot, episode 000. It'll never see the light of day as an episode, um, except yeah, for in and, video and, and, form, and, right? Right, in video form. Yeah. It's on Patreon. Right. Kent and I both felt like it was a really good episode, and then when I watched it back to... It was like the podcast of God's intervened because Kent didn't have his audio right on his side. Yeah. And we were swearing quite a bit and that's not what you wanted. And uh, well, even, the, turned out- even the, aside from what I, from what I wanted, I, I think it was, um, we, we don't have the benefit of having like focus groups and all that garbage and, you know, script writers and everything. So when we do a new podcast, we shoot from the hip, right? And, and yeah. we put a lot of de- reliance on the fact that we just we like each other, and so and that each one of us you know tries to either offend each other or love each other the best that we can. <laughs> <laughs> we learned a lot from that we pilot did. episode, so if you want to check it out, it is on Patreon. Yeah, and I think it's free. Actually, you can just go to Patreon. Right? Is it's publicly available, or maybe we could maybe we can make that publicly available so anyone just wants to check out the Patreon, yeah. they could watch something for free there. Do you want to do that? I'll do that. I'll, I'll make it public. I'll make it public. <laughs> so when you're listening, by the time you listen to this, that that episode will be. Public, you can find the link to it either by going to patreon.com forward slash 1159media or search our our um, Facebook groups for 1159media, 911 Calls Podcast, True Crime Kent, or Dark Topic. And we've posted it there as well. So you click through that link and you'll be able to watch it. You'll also find my new offering on uh, Tier 13, which is OGDT. Yes. And I've made that public as well, just the first episode for people to see what they can get at that level as well. So the Hugs hugs is available at the 5. We're just t- trying it out. We're going to do about five episodes there to uh, work it through. Yep. And it's just myself, Ken Chungus, and the operator who's running the thing trying to talk about uplifting stories rather than the regular mm-hmm. things you hear all the time from us and others in true crime. And just to clarify, like I hope I didn't give you the impression that I didn't like the episode. I I, I agree with what you said is we learned a lot from it. I, I yeah, thought it yeah. was a lot of fun. It, we just learned some things that so we're tweaking some things for it for format wise. Yes. It was a little clumsy and all that. So yeah, no, we're, we're working it through, and that's the point of having it on Patreon yeah. first, which is what we do with all of our podcasts, new podcasts. I'm really tempted, actually. Uh, it, this would be a this would probably be a mistake, but I hope people watch that crashed pilot because I I'm so tempted to just say both of you should tell your the same stories on episode one because they're so good. Your stories <laughs> were so good. I don't want them to be lost to time, you know. But anyway, no. It's there. We'll make it public. I, I wish I could say the same about yours, yeah. but I'm trying to be really honest. <laughs> 
on the podcast going forward. No, yours was really good. I value so yours was opinion. more what it should have been. <laughs> Anyways, what are we up to today? Hey, so um, I want to, I'm going to ask you a question. I've got actually a couple questions, but <clears throat> I'll start with one. Hey, Luna, let's talk parental panic. Uh, you've mentioned when your son's had a seizure due to like that high fever that he had, right? Has there been any other mm-hmm. moments when you or like someone you witnessed had sudden panic and you would put it in the category of parental panic? Sure. Yeah. Uh, again, me with my son, not the one who had the seizure that, that one time. That's my youngest mm-hmm. and he's good. Everything's fine now. <clears throat> he might have even had COVID. Who knows? In this state. I, I have no idea. Yeah. It, it, he, I think it was the flu. It was a mystery um, for sure at the time. Yeah, it was right around that time when it was all breaking out. Mm-hmm. But um, my son, my oldest, him and I went to sometimes. So I live in the middle of nowhere. So sometimes a, an outing for us would be to go to McDonald's. Mm-hmm. Yay. <laughs> and uh, we talk all day about how, what are we going to get? What are you going to try this time? You want to do the double Big Mac? Want to do the freaking whatever challenge? Like we try, he wants to challenge each <laughs> other and do all these things. And it's kind of sad because where we live, there's nothing else to really talk about. But I think that the, the outcome is the same. The, the intense, the, the excitement and all that rivals whatever else anybody else would have to do on a Sunday that would be exciting. So we go to a hotel once in a while and he wants to choose like a really crappy hotel. Like he wants like the worst. Let's find a two star. Really? Dad. Let's go stay at a two star. And we actually ended up staying in a place that had a gas leak this one time when we went to this carnival and uh, some people got really sick and we were there at that place. But anyways, we're at this, that this place we're on the, I think it was like the sixth floor and He's like five years old at the time, and we're in the we're in the room, and he goes, "Can I go and get myself something from the the vending machine?" I was like, "Sure, you know, I'm gonna let you go by yourself. Here's two bucks." And the reason why I'm letting him go by himself is not because I'm being lazy. I'm laying there drunk with my shirt off on on a itchy bed. The reason was to give him some independence. Yeah. So I let him go, and I wait right by the door. I'm waiting. I wait two, three minutes. Getting there to four minutes, and I get out. I get out of the. I'm going. I'm looking for him, mm. and he's not there. Oh no, he he's not at the vending machine. Oh. He's not anywhere in the hallway. It's a sh- it's a crappy um, hotel. You can hear people like drinking and arguing with each other. Stuff. I'm like, oh my god, I'm in like the Cecil Hotel, <laughs> and my son is. I don't know where he yeah. is. Oh gosh. And I'm running, like I'm running around, and I, I run back and forth down the whole hallway and stuff. And then I hear the elevator ding up, run over, and it's he's in there. He's in the elevator. Oh, he was in the I elevator. Oh my gosh! He he put he went into the elevator, and he thought that he needed to go downstairs to go to the vending machine that we'd seen when we walked in. Uh, I thought that he meant the one that was on our floor, obviously. Uh, yeah. And he figured out how to come back up to our floor somehow, uh, and uh, it was good. But that was. Um, I, I've never panicked so hard in my life. I thought I was going to start banging on doors. I'm like, you got my kit? You got my kit? You got my kit? Like, go, go yeah. down, you know, just check the whole building. I was, I was in that state of panic that any parent, I, I can relate, I guess, in a very small way to people who have lost their kids and they never see them again. Right. You know? So, wow. anyways, that's my story. Oof. I had, a, I had a similar situation and there's nothing that grips you more than just. Especially in a hotel because they could be anywhere, but they're nowhere all oh. at the same time. You know, that is really hard. Yeah. My um my story 
on parental panic was not myself as a parent, actually. When I was like seven, I was at the grocery store with my mom. And uh, actually, I got, I got two. I got two stories. One, uh, I'm at the grocery store with my mom. And she's pushing her in the shopping cart. And uh, we're like in the cereal aisle. And she leaves the shopping cart and goes down the aisle. And uh, she's like getting some things to bring back to the cart. Well, I grab her purse out of the shopping cart and I go around the corner thinking this is going to be funny. And I'm watching her the whole time and she comes back and she wasn't worried. She knew I was around somewhere, but she noticed her purse was gone. Oh my gosh, the look in her eyes. Even at seven, I knew what I had just done was a grave error. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I came back and I was just like, here, I've got it right here. I was, yeah, I couldn't even be like, ha ha, I had it the whole time, tricked you, ha ha, smack, smack. You know, I couldn't even do that. I was just like, here. And she just burst into tears and puts the purse back in. And then it just kind of flooded into my seven-year-old brain, like all the things I had just taken from my mother at that moment. Right. I took away her cards. I took away her money. I took away, you know sentimental objects everything that's in a woman's purse which basically i don't know if you've ever had a 12 by 12 storage unit it's the equivalent there's that much stuff in a purse i just (laughs) took her life away right then you know i just zeroed her out for a moment and um then i didn't learn my also sorry sorry to interrupt there but also not to mention if there was a thief around she didn't see where you were either. oh right so who knows if they yeah, grabbed you as and well the kid. like all this uh, there's an eerie environment happening yes. because there's a thief someone had taken yeah you know, there's a criminal in here oh, yeah and it just hurts my heart to this day thinking about that i did that to my mom then i didn't learn my lesson and uh several years later in the early 90s i don't know if you ever knew this but like there was a certain kind of like a uh, fake nail that women would wear and that they always had these little bottles of nail glue. Uh, it was like super glue, but in like a different shaped bottle, little white bottle, little, like little squat bottle. Lee nails? Do they call them Lee nails? Well, the Lee press on nails. And then these were sort of like that, but you would glue it on. So, you know, and they'd file them down and women took forever doing them. And I think they still do, but they, you know, it's more like gels and fills and meshes and all that stuff that I really don't know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. Um, but anyway. Sounds like you do know yeah, what well, you're talking about. Maybe, I don't know. Here or nor there. <laughs> um, yeah. The, uh, the thing was, I figured out that my brother had gone to the doctor and he got eye drops for like, I don't know, allergies for his eyes. Oddly enough, same bottle as the nail glue. So I play the prank on my mom and I was like, I come in, I'm like, ah, and I'm holding my eye and I'm holding this bottle of nail glue. And I'm like, I thought it was, I thought it was his nail eye drops, but I put (laughs) nail glue in my eye. And she's just, I mean, imagine the kid just super glues his eyeball to the inside. You know, that could do a lot of damage. It does not just disappear because you wiped it out of your eye. And again, again, I saw it in my mom's eyes. I was like, this was not a safe, funny joke. I just really, really hurt my mom when I did. Yeah. 
Yeah. Sorry, mom. I have one. I, I, have, I have one like that really fast yeah. with my mom. Like April Fool's Day. Uh, you know, an orange peeler. They used to have or- yeah, those yeah. orange peelers. I'm sure they still have yeah, them. I've got and one. I act, she would always warn me about cutting my hand with it. So I put ketchup all over my hand. And I had the orange <laughs> peeler and I left the orange <laughs> like, peel like, laying there. I was like, ah! She freaked out. I've done that a few times with people with ketchup. Ketchup, right? <laughs> I just lay on the ground with a bunch of ketchup beside me, and I'm like, oh, oh, oh. I did it to my girl, and she goes, "I can smell the That's ketchup." That's what I was going to say. <laughs> Have you seen that video? Yeah. I should put that video up. It's somewhere. hilarious because you're like, "Oh, oh!" She's like, "I can smell the ketchup." <laughs> so good. You did it on one of our yeah. live meets one time. Remember, you faked a gunshot wound. Oh yeah, yeah, I did that once too. Ketchup. Yeah, I can't stop doing that. I'm a prankster. <laughs> Not very good at it. That's hilarious. Oh, man. Okay. Uh, I have another question for you. Oh, God. Hey, Luna, have you ever done something to one of your kids or your significant under that makes you (laughs) suddenly realize the size difference between you and them? Like, it doesn't have to be... Has there ever just been kind of that epiphany between the size difference between you and, like, your child or you and your lady you know kind of kind of situation oh me and my lady for sure but i mean i'll talk <laughs> i'll talk about i'll talk about, with my kids i practice jujitsu drills like i run jujitsu drills with my oldest and that's like um showing him rear naked chokes like arm bars right. i'm not a jujitsu guy but I, I understand a few of the moves um you know wrapping your hooks in just so that he can protect himself and i make it very clear to him only to use it in certain situations but i've noticed his confidence go up since we started doing this and he's getting really good at it he'll just clamp onto me sometimes when I'm walking around and he'll like take my neck you know mm-hmm. I'll say things like take take my arm home with you take my arm home with you he's like are you sure I'm like yeah take my arm home with you and it's like cracking my flamingoing my friggin arm on me but like I've pulled a few on him where I'm like okay uh, you know he's got pigeon pigeon collarbones yeah. I gotta be careful showing him these moves that's all I can think of no that makes sense uh, I have I have two I mean, I'm, I hope people don't feel like this is getting stretched out, but um, like my girl, because yeah. I'm too big. For, <laughs> no, we we talked quite a bit before this, yeah. so that's why you're feeling okay. That way. Okay, good. Yeah, I guess we're probably only like 12, 15 minutes in. Right. Maybe. Um. So okay. So my first one was an experience with my son, um, and when he was younger, maybe like a year, year and a half, two years, maybe. Um. He was definitely in the terrible twos, and it was one of those times. And we've all, as parents, had him where you're just, you're, you're, you're just about finished. You're, you're done with your patience. It's over. You know, the kids cried too long. Whatever those things, and those are those, sure. those are those times where you know, you, it's like the commercials that are like, it's this moment where you need to step away, walk away from your child instead of hurting them. You know, that kind of thing. But they're in the bathtub and they're one years old. Right. Yes, yeah, don't step leave away. them. <laughs> it'll it'll still solve the problem. Yeah, it will. It's just not like you think. Um, but. Uh, this was one of those moments, and um, I remember swatting his butt, and he laughed, and I was like, oh, oh, yeah, you think that's what? And I swatted him again, and he laughed, and then I swatted him a third time, mm-hmm. and he laughed, but he kind of whimper laughed. Oh, that's brutal. And my hand stung, and... Like, I'm not an abusive person, you know, so I these know are just swat, you know, swats, but I could tell that that one made it through his diaper. I could tell, you know, I got him. Mm-hmm. And uh, he whimpered, laughed. He didn't, like, cry. 
And at that moment, I realized, oh, this kid does not respond the same to physical as like another kid where you swat him and it's like this emotional check, you know, and they're like, okay, right, I'll right. never like do it snapping again. them out. Yes. Yeah, because because no, normally, like, see, I know neither one of us are into like abusing our kids, yeah. I and mean, we're gonna get some feedback on right. that. What you just said there, right? But like, I got no problem with like checking my kids if like they're if they haven't heard me five times in a row and whatever. It's like bop bop, like not in the head or anything, like just in the butt. Like, hey, hey. like whoop. Look at me. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm talking yes. to you, man. I got no problem with that. But if, if you, I mean, you got to beat the hell out of them sometimes <laughs> just to make them, make them see straight, you know? Make, make them, hey, I'm sorry, I'm just joking. Make them, take them, you know, make them, make an example out of them. No, um, like my, my thoughts on physical uh, reprimand is it, if you're, if you do it, you have to wonder, you have to remember the size of the kid. You, not every kid is the totally. same. And also, it doesn't help if your kid doesn't respond to it. And two, and three, absolutely, it needs to be immediate in that moment. You can't like, mm-hmm. a kid can't like, you know, bully another kid down the street an hour later and then you're like, okay, sorry, you're getting 10 swaps. No, no. You know, it needs to be in the moments because it's not, it's not a, it's not a uh, punishment in my opinion, it right. should be a reset. A check. It's a check. Yeah. And it should never be, honestly, I mean, you, your kids should be able to look at it later in life and be like, I don't think that ever actually hurt. It just hurt your heart. Right. You know, that's the way. Yes. Totally. I'm, I'm completely against like, hey, get in here. You're going to get like 15 belts yeah, in the ass or, or like, uh, even like the spank, like, Dude, do you get it yet? There's nine more coming. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Count them out. That's, that, <laughs> That's abuse in my yeah, my opinion. 100%. But yeah, like you're saying, like a quick little whatever, and, and yeah, and times have changed too. They so. have. Um, my other one is really fast. Um, it happened just the other sure. day, and every night before we get into bed, we always change out the, the 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 comforter. Like the comforter that's on our bed is like decorative as opposed to like functional, which I don't get. But so we take that one off. <laughs> And then we just throw on like this, like, you know, fuzzy blanket that's comfortable to sleep under. And it was my, so my wife's 5'2". She's like 100 pounds wet, you know. I mean, she's not, she's a little thing. Wow. And, uh, that was poorly worded, but yeah. <laughs> it comes from the, like, never mind. Um, mm. Anyway, so we were, we were going to take the blanket off the bed and she grabbed her side and I grabbed mine and I was being overly dramatic and I like flung it really quick <clears throat> oh, no. but she had a good hold on it and so it like whipped her side and like threw her across the room I mean she landed on her feet and stuff but it was like I was like oh my gosh I am so sorry because I felt like you know that was like very physical like physicality came out and I should you know I just was trying to I was trying to catch it and pull it off completely by myself but she had already grabbed a hold of it yep. so when I did it it just flung her like a like a feather woo, 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 woo. <laughs> I hear you man I remember that reminds me of the time I threw my girl through a plate glass window <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, apples to apples there <laughs> normally usually she bounced off of it but she went through it that time. Oh, so weird. I was like, oh, I felt bad about that. <laughs> That's how you learn the sheer strength of, uh, you know, plate glass window is. Uh... Oh, my goodness. Yeah. 
Anyways, uh, that's a joke. Yeah, it's a joke. It's a dark joke because she had a lot of stitches, but otherwise. Um, okay, I got one more question for you. This one's a little bit touchy, but tell me your thoughts on what people call the quote-unquote cycle of abuse, like parents abusing children and like those children growing up to abuse as well. Like, What, what yeah. are your thoughts on that? Sure. Real quick, I yeah. guess. I'll try to make it yeah. quick. Um, it depends on situation to situation. See, you know, you always hear the old, uh, same thing happened to me and I didn't behave that way. Right. But I think that something a lot of people miss on this is that through genetics, there is a predisposition to be maybe more aggressive than, than other people. Mm-hmm. So on top of being abused, just like your father was abused or your mother was abused or your grandfather was abused, you also have a genetic predisposition to be like a more aggressive person and you continue that cycle not based on what happened to you but based on just the way that you naturally, that your nature. Right. And and they miss that a lot. Um, you can fight that clearly. Like you, you can you can go against that. I, I personally have a real problem with somebody who perpetuates or, or continues the cycle of abuse. I really do. I mean, I'm I'm one who has stopped a cycle of abuse, mm-hmm. um, and it wasn't that hard. All you gotta do is not hit your girl. Hey, how about that? <laughs> I mean, like you just just don't just don't and 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 f- know that that's gonna make your whole situation screwed up. Mm. I mean, it's 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 just and it sounds simple to say, but there are some people who are predisposed to these this kind of knee jerk reaction, um, and they continue it with without much thought, mm-hmm. you know. And then as soon as you do it once. Just like with anything else, as soon as you do it once, it's easier to do it again. It's like riding a bike. Yeah. Like as soon as you hit your kid once and it works, as soon as you hit your wife and she shuts up, right? Yeah. And I know that's crude. I'm just joking. I'm not joking, but I'm saying like for that type. Mentality. She shuts, sure. she, it works. Yeah. You're, you might you might just continue on doing it. And uh, it takes a lot of, um, you know, if you're, you're in a cycle of abuse and you, you are an abuser yourself, it takes a lot of um, restraint and, and, and discipline and, and looking at yourself and being above that and uh, being an example for your kids and for other people. I think it takes a lot, too, to, to recognize that you are that person and talk about it and be like, I, I have these urges mm-hmm. to do this thing, but I'm not doing it. I think more people should talk openly about that. Yeah. Um, I'm one of those people. I get I get really angry. I get really aggressive. I have it in me, and I don't do it. I mean, just today I went to go get some beer, and I went to open up the door of the of the beer store of the of the hotel, and the door was locked. And I saw some guys had just come out, and I went to them. I'm like, man, is it closed? They're like, no, it's open. I'm like, door's not open. And the guys like, well, you just gonna pull on it? I'm like, I did. What is it like a garage door? Do I got to pull up from the bottom? Like, and I got aggressive with the guy, yeah. right? Like immediately because of like the way that he was treating me. I get like that with 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 people that I sense to be aggressive men. Right. I got no problem being aggressive with men, but when it comes to your children, when it comes to your wife, mm-hmm. when it comes to people that are that are weaker than you are physically, mm-hmm. it, it's just a cowardly act, and and. You know, to each their. No, no, I can't say to yeah, each their own. No. But anyway, anyways, that's those are my thoughts. I like it. I like it. Yeah, the math never adds up to physicality. Really, uh, to, to someone who's weaker than definitely. You. I mean, you can't establish dominance over somebody with 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 physicality. Uh, uh, it's actually cowardly, right. right? It's a it's a short way out. Like we were talking about before, you know, it's like 
we're kind of in this day and age where it's nobody wants to hear the other person out. We don't just want to slit everybody's throat with you know insults. It's phys- it's the physical way of getting out of an argument, saying I refuse to see your perspective. Uh, in a yeah. way, it's it's sort of or like, my way or no way. My way or no way. You made me do this. You know, it's your fault. Uh, yeah. There are all those things. Yeah. Hey, have you ever heard of um, Maslow's uh, Mas- Maslow's hierarchy of needs? Yes. Yeah. So it's it's sort of this hierarchy that's like kind of the the animal basics that we need, all the way to sort of like I don't know, as apex. Uh, you know, creatures with opposable thumbs with what we aim for. So the needs are pretty simple. You got like physical needs, like, you know, air, water, food, shelter, sleep, clothing, reproduction, you know, the basics. Like you get those needs met. Like if you drop somebody in the middle of nowhere, that's step one is cover those needs, cover those needs. If we're talking about prote- protection of you and your species, those are the ones to, to hit first. Then you got like right. personal safety, like your personal security, health, resources, property, right? Those are your next things. Then you got, it moves up from like physical things to more of the emotional things like love and belonging, like friendship and intimacy, family, sense of connection with other people. That that comes next. Mm -hmm. From that, when you have those, it breeds the next level, which is esteem. So that's like respect and self-esteem, status, recognition, strength, freedoms, that kind of thing. And then the ultimate mm-hmm. one is self-actualization, which is a desire to be the most one can be. And I, I, I think about that when I think about the cycle of abuse, that it's sort of like crabs in a bucket. Like abuse breeds abuse because it's so basic. It's, 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 um, Punching someone or acting physical or verbally abusive is the fastest way to grab for the most animal basics that we need in life. We think that by doing these things verbally or physically, we're taking that bottom layer, those those basic needs, that we're fulfilling those things. And really, the funny thing is, abuse is theft of every single level on Maslow's hierarchy. If you look it over, personal safety, theft. Abuse, verbal or physical, steals. Personal security, health, resources and property. Love and belonging, obviously, steals the whole lot. Esteem, shoots it down. Self-actualization, the desire to be the most one can be. Physical abuse or verbal abuse or any kind of abuse is a theft of those Mm -hmm. Of somebody else and really of our own self, which it's we're resetting our ability to build those basics on our own because we're just staying so fundamental in when we abuse. We we are just grabbing. We're like a caveman. We're grabbing what's ours. You know, we're taking what's ours by yeah. whatever means. Anyway. Totally. No, I got you. <laughs> See. Uh, I know we got to get into the story here, but I, I often catch myself because I can be fairly aggressive verbally, mm. and and I can like uh, really push my point in a way that is aggressive, and then I realize that the other person is not presenting their point. I don't realize it immediately, but I realize later that they were just scared. Yeah, and and they didn't want to have the conversation with me any longer because I was getting too aggressive in the way that I was speaking. I see. And in my mind, in the moment, I'm thinking I won the argument. I won this back and forth, but I didn't win it through my words. I won it through my aggression. I see. And that's not right. 
Yeah, you shut them down in a way, right? You yeah, I scared them. Yeah, yeah. So I'm learning. I'm really learning. It's taken me a long time to learn. Like, you got it. You got even in argue. Like in an argument, it should be like almost like a like a an aggressive thing. Uh, or at least I think it should be the way that I grew up. I guess I, I have to unravel that. Uh, I, I got to stop that. Mm. And uh, I've really been working out. Like you got to present your point in a way that the other person feels comfortable enough to present there. Yes. I like the term dead right because there's mm-hmm. a lot of opportunities in life to be to be right. Um, and I think the one of the most dangerous and counterintuitive of being someone that's wise is somebody that is okay being dead right. Um, examples come up like, uh, you know, if somebody were to say to you, and we talked about this a little bit um, before, but if somebody were to just say, if I have to tell you that systemic racism exists, uh, you right. just made my point. It, basically, they're, they're saying, hey, you're a racist. They're just, they, they're dead right, you know. They're, they don't have to prove yeah. it. They don't have to say anything else. They're just dead right. But dead right is a problem because, like you said, you stole that. It's not fair. You stole that. You didn't You didn't build anyone up, and you didn't definitely build yourself up. And you violated the yeah. number one rule of being a human. That is, we all want to be loved and respected. I love you, and I want you to feel built up every time I talk to you, and I feel the same from you. And right. It's an exercise, but doing that with everyone in life, even especially acidic people, people that, that haven't figured that out or that are hurting for one reason or another, mm-hmm. y- you've got to find that balance. You've got to find it, and it, it can be very hard. The worst, sorry, I, I know, really, man, we go on, don't yeah, we? we? <clears throat> but um, I hated, when I was a kid, I remember hearing all the time, I can't wait till I have kids so that I can, <laughs> yeah. know, so I can do this. Right. Like it's like, why would you want to grow up and put your kids to the same things that you're going through? I, I used to hear it all the time. I used yeah. to hear my friends say it. Um, you know, I can't wait till I can like boss around my my kid or whatever. It's like, why would you? Why would you do that? When, once I had kids, I was like, uh, uh, the main thing that I want to wanted to imbue or wanted to put into my kids is that they can talk to me about anything, and that I'm here for them, and that that we're going to go through things together, and that yes, I got things to teach you, but I'm not going to teach you them by the fist or by like yes. aggression or whatever. I'm going to teach you them by speaking to you about them and showing you what I'm talking right. about and it's going to be enjoyable for me and it's going to be enjoyable for you and we're going to we're going to we're going to I'm going to disagree with the way that you're behaving at times but when I when I rather than beating you into submission which is counterproductive mm-hmm. I'm going to f- ease you into the way I'll let you make mistakes. Yes. I will I will point you I will get you quicker to that end of that mistake. I will put you right into that pit of the end of that mistake. Rather than shoving your face into it, I will guide you into it, then I will pull you out. Mm-hmm. And then we will learn that lesson. <clears throat> you will learn that lesson through me, you know. And and Well and you both learn a lesson, right? Because allow one of the hardest things as parents um is allowing our children to make mistakes. Is 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 what yeah. is is not allowing but Allowing the 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 leash to be long enough that they mm-hmm. that they can you can't protect them from everything and that can be one of the hardest. But you can still pull them back. Yes. you can still pull them back. Right? There's a there's and a good anyway. way to look at it. I think is that the way that we build our children should be should have an elastic effect. Is our children should always if they're if we've if we've developed them into the proper kind of people for this world, they should um, be able to make mistakes. But know where home is. 
They should be able to make mistakes, but know who loves them and come back. Um, even if pride or embarrassment is a factor and time is an element, ultimately, if they have that background and that understanding, it are the way we parents should have an elastic effect of positivity on them. I like that. Absolutely. Hey, man, I'm assuming that this leads into a horrible child case. Well, yes. Right. Let's get into it. Okay, I'm going to get into it. So this is a case that uh, I hadn't ever heard of, but apparently, not apparently, but it was, it made national news and international news. um, And it was was very well known in Australia. Uh, For all of you in Australia, you can go ahead and turn this off now because I'm sure Case File (laughs) or somebody else did it better than I'm going to. But uh, so you are, you are uh, dismissed. No, we've got some good things here to talk about. I'm actually, mm-hmm. I heard this, I heard the story, and I thought, you know, there's there's something based on what how we started this. You can kind of see the angle I'm going to take. But uh, check this out. So I wanted to start this by talking about an 11 year old girl named Christy Abrahams. And right off the bat, if you know who I'm talking about, you don't know her as an 11 year old girl. First and foremost, you know her as an adult. But I want to mm-hmm. talk about 11-year-old Christy Abrahams for a second. Christy was born as a baby. And uh, she grew up in Australia. Not to be confused with New Zealand. Okay? Uh, I've had enough of All that. Right. It's, they're not the same place. They're I'll admit super it. not. No, they're not. Yeah. Um, when she was 11 years old, Christy wrote a series of letters kind of journaling her experiences um, at that time in her life. Um, but she was 11. Uh, she was just chronicling her days like an 11-year-old would. But to anyone that read them, they'd see that her home life was anything but good. Her entries contained uh, sentences like, when my dad strangled my mom, or when my dad had a big bottle and went to throw it in between my mom's legs, Or when my mom went back to work and my dad was minding me and when my mom came home, I had bruises all over me. Like those were just embedded inside of these these things she had written as an 11-year-old, right? So, like I said, if you know who I'm talking about with Christy Abraham, if Christy had written those things later in life as an adult, especially after how her life unfolded, the casual observer would probably look at those and be suspicious as sort of an excuses, um, be critical of the way that she was trying to, you know, kind of define her past mm-hmm. based on what happened. But that they came from an 11 year old, I think is important. Um, and it has a bit of a chilling effect on the call that we're about to listen to. So a little more on Christy before we get into this. Um, after finding her mother dead from an epileptic fit at the age of 10, Christy and her younger brother uh, bounced between foster homes before they were eventually sent to an aboriginal children's home because they were indigenous. Indigenous, yes. This was done against the recommendations, professional recommendations. The recommendation was not that they should be placed uh, with a non-aboriginal family because Christy had experienced a very negative um, influence from her Aboriginal father, and that had led her to reject her Indigenous background already. And the recommendation was, let's not right. make that worse by putting them in a non-Aboriginal family. Smart. Yeah, well, yeah, right. Good sage advice. A psychologist who examined uh, Christy 
as a young teenager, found that she suffered from an intellectual disability on top of all this. And so she needed to be placed with a family that could provide her with the emotional care um, that she really had been desperately seeking for some years at that point. Despite the psychologist's recommendations and everything, Christy remained in the same foster home with non-Aboriginal parent in that environment it just failed to give her the support she needed until she entered a girl's refuge at the age of 16. A generation later the system that let Abraham's down Christy down uh, so badly was about to fail her daughter as well. So mm -hmm. anyone that knows this story might think that that's kind of a mouthful on uh, somebody that uh, we'll find out how she dealt with the cycle of abuse. But I wanted to lead with that because I hadn't seen anybody else do it. Good. And I thought it was insight, you know, some insight that, that helps with this case a little bit. But anyway, are you ready for me to hit play on this? I am. Call? Yep, 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 yep. All right. Here we go. Hi, I've just got nothing. I've to it. I've left my front door was open and my daughter's not here. Okay, what's your address? It's Miss Dane, it's like looks like Gavin Mount Joy. Okay. You just get the police on their way out there, okay? How old is your daughter? She's six. She's six? Yes. Have you checked all the units? No, 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 I'm just putting up. Okay, what's your name? Christy, I'm her mum. Okay, Christy, what's your last name? Abraham. Yeah, and what's your um, phone number there? Um, I don't, I've just got the mobile, I don't know the mobile number. Okay. What's your mobile? I don't know, I don't, I don't what's know. What's your daughter's name? Kaisha. What is it? Kaisha. Spell it. K-I-E-S-H-A. Yep. Abraham? Um, yes. And she's six? Yeah, she's six. Okay, so she, as far as you know, she would be in her pajamas, or you don't know. Yes, 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 she's in her pajamas. Okay, so what time would you have last seen her last night? I put her out of bed last night, quarter to ten. And do you have any other family that live in the unit block? No, no. Any neighbours that she would talk to? No, no. And it runs off, what is that, Marina Street? The pardon? The corner street, there's Marina Street? Carlisle. Okay. Has she ever done this before? No, no, no not really. She looks at a window and shit, but no, I don't know. Is she tall, short, skinny? Tall, she's skinny, she's got blonde hair. Yep. And what colour jammies did she have on last night? Like pink pyjamas and a purple jacket, a purple pumpkin patch jacket. So pink pyjamas and a purple jacket last night? Yes. Yes. I've just let the police know. We've got police. We've got everybody on their way out to see you, okay? <laughs> and she's never done this. No, like she gets up and plays like in the middle of the night. She looks at a corner of her window before we went over, but I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. And you, is it just the two of you that live there? 
And are they still there? Yeah, they're still here. They're still there? Yes. And have they seen the two-year-old? Did they, have they, have you quizzed the two-year-old? Can you two-year-old speak? Yeah. No, she was in, like, she was in bed. I just got up with me as well. We've all just gotten up. Okay. So the two and three-week-old are still there? Yes. And like the, the kids father, he he's he, 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 he here as well. He's there as well. Okay. <laughs> now, Christy, we have got everybody on their way out there. Yeah. So he's out yelling the streets for us. Yeah, he's going looking for her. So that's your ex partner, is that right? Yes, that's the kids father. Yes. What's his name? Robert. Robert? Yes, Robert. Robert who? Smith. Okay. And you've looked in all the cupboards? Yes, he's not here. I looked everywhere. Do you have any birthmarks on her? Um, she's only got like a little one on her stomach. I've got one in the same place as well. Ears pierced? Yes. But she hasn't got that earrings in. Alright, Chrissy. Well, I'm going to hang up. We've got police on their way there yeah. now. Alright. If you hear anything before we get there, you call us straight back. I will. Okay. Otherwise, we'll be there as soon as possible, okay? Yeah. Alright, then. We'll see you soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Well... If I hadn't heard everything you said in the beginning and hadn't had the conversation we had in the start, I wouldn't be as suspicious as I am right now. Mm. Uh, um, not really, nothing about that call. If I heard it just clean, like without anything I just spoken spoke about uh, or alluded to, whatever the hell word I'm looking for, I, I would think you know this is this is a mother who just lost a daughter genuinely and doesn't know where the hell she is. Yeah. What 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 got me there was I I'm looking at this case right now is from like 1974 and you know how the boyfriend or whoever he is he's out there looking for. Mm-hmm. And there was this case with this kid he was 4 years old riding his little red tricycle and they were out in like some wooded area. He goes down a dead end road. His dad had left to go do some uh cut down some trees or something and he went pedaling as fast as he could to go try to find his dad and they never saw him again. And they were searching for him forever. Uh, he ended up having been killed. Mm. And the uh, the father would never stop looking for him. He went for like four days pushing bush, like going through the bush. They had to they had to dose his coffee with tranquilizers to get him to go to sleep. Jeez. And he would just sit when he was so exhausted, even after he'd been he had been dosed with a bullhorn because he couldn't walk anymore. Just shouting the kid's name through the bullhorn on his front porch. Oh, gosh. And that reminded me a little bit about the the guy out there searching the neighborhood for the girl. Yeah. <clears throat> um, even knowing everything I know about what we're going to talk about, uh, man, there's a lot of... I, I feel genuine emotion in that call. Like... Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Something's going on, like so, like that. You can, you can, you can. Uh, 
Um, yeah, you know what? Before I say too much, we'll just I'll just give you a little more backstory. Okay. Yeah, please. Yeah. Oh, can I say something yeah, yeah, real quick yeah, on that yeah. too? What you just said, you just sparked something to me. Yeah. The amount of emotion, like how scared she is. It sounds normal, mm-hmm. but it, but at the same time, like if your daughter's missing, like there, sh- there should be more of a sense of urgency, and it seems more like a post mortem, mm. like at, the attitude I see in her voice, saying. like she's already gone. Yeah, type feel to the mother's um, attitude on the call. It's not frantic. It's more resigned, which is creepy. Right. Yes, um, yes. I, that's one thing I was going to say is that it, it the, the, there there doesn't seem to be a lot of um, like I I would be I would be like you know, I don't know. There's the phrases you hear, right? It's like get here now, or yes, you know, none of that was any happening. questions yeah. that weren't relevant to seeking finding her right then just would not. Pan, would not pencil with me you know it'd just be very too hard to, to to talk about anything except for what is gonna move the needle on finding my kid yep and uh you yeah you didn't hear a lot of that that was kind of difficult felt like it was over felt like it was already over. yes she was resigned um that was that was difficult okay let me tell you a little more about christy so christy abrahams uh the person on the phone was calling to um to tell triple uh, zero, which is the nine one one in Australia, that her daughter Kaisha uh, was missing. So here's here's just a little more. Um, Christy has an IQ of sixty eight. Uh, do you know much about IQs? I do. Okay, and that's low. It is uh, IQ like real low. Yeah. I, I looked. I, I I did a little research on IQs for this, and I found some kind of fun fun nuggets, interesting things. I guess uh, stands for intelligent quote intelligence quotient, right? And they assess human intelligence. That's the idea. There are a series of standardized tests and subtests, and they can help to determine humans' intelligence in certain areas. Um, one thing that might not be commonly known, though, about IQ assessments is that they have what's called a mean. Uh, a mm-hmm. mean, when talking about numbers uh, or scores, is defined as an average. So the word average and mean are interchangeable. So for IQ scores, the average score or mean is a score of 100. Um, so if we're, look, we're t- if we're talking about everyone that's ever been assessed by IQ, the data, the statistics on that is two-thirds of the population have an IQ of somewhere between 85 and 115. Yeah. And then you have two polar opposites that are both about 2.5% of the population that's either above 130 or below 70. Okay? And those are like okay. the far ends. So like you said, um, low intelligence, high intelligence, median uh, intelligence and Christy has an IQ of sixty-eight. Can I share something quick? Yeah, yeah. On on IQ, <clears throat> and I'm a big believer in IQ, but this is kind of a funny thing that I've heard people say. Um, an IQ test, the the score on it is based on how good you are at taking IQ tests. <laughs> Could very well be. That's yes. There's actually a. a there's an effect that we have where if we are tested and we're unaware that we're testing, we test differently than if we are tested and know we're being tested. Exactly. 
Yes. And, and it's stressors, too. Some people aren't good at taking tests. Some yeah. people are bad under pressure, yes. you know? Like, they're not thinking clearly while they're taking them. It's not, and they give you a time limit on a lot of those tests right. as well. So Yep. Okay, so she has an IQ of, of 160, uh, of, I'm sorry, 68. <laughs> not 168. 68. Because of this, assessments later in her life would determine her to be potentially ill-equipped, would be the quote, uh, for the role of parent, as one judge put it. Pretty clearly there. But as we all know, being a parent isn't isolated to any certain intelligence quotient, right? It doesn't take a genius to have a child. And if there's anything that makes you feel like a mental failure, it can be rearing children. So hard. So challenging. Uh, <laughs> so, right? Wow, you're doing my job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so at the age of 19, Christy met a guy named Chris Weppert. And within a year, they had a son who actually died of SIDS uh, six weeks after he was born. Sudden in- infant death syndrome, currently yeah. not preventable. There are things they think you can do to mitigate the risk, but it's just called sudden infant death for a reason. Um, and I, I know I know this case. I'm not going to act like I don't. Yeah. I know this case, and I looked into this one, and man, it's so suspicious. You think on that, that, that you know, on that part? It's super suspicious. Yeah, like just so you know, it, like I, I think I think any case where like the parents didn't check on like a baby uh-huh. for I don't know the last twelve hours, and they found that the kid was malnutrition. You know, like she was intentionally feeding it half of what it was supposed to get, like as a way to like punish it and stuff. That which is what was going on here in this case. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, and, and and a lot of these SIDS cases, you can't tell that a kid has been suffocated, a baby. And a big reason why you can't is because there's no signs that they tried to struggle and tried to defend themselves. Oh, because there to aren't any. Yeah. Yeah, I believe there's some signs inside of the eye on a, during an, obu- that, uh, uh, an autopsy that they could come to a conclusion. But yes, you're right there, especially right. with a the baby. There's just, it's crazy. Um one of the most heartbreaking stories I remember, it, just to kind of, I don't know, contrast SIDS or put us put put kind of a different uh, lens on newborn, uh, first, first uh, what do you call those? First parents when you're first child? You know, parent, parents know. of a first child. Sure. I knew a husband and wife very young, like 19, had a baby, um, uh, were discharged from the hospital, went home, and... Um, the, they were so exhausted, you know, that they went home and they fell asleep. Who is them? What's that? Who is them? Right. Exactly. So, you know, they right. do what happens with all parents. They go home, they're exhausted. They fell yeah. asleep, got up, and they didn't hear the baby for 10 hours. And in their head, they're like, oh, man, our baby's a good sleeper. But they don't oh, know yeah. what they don't know, you know. So... The baby passed away um, during that time, but they just were like, I'm so relieved we got one of those good ones, (laughs) you know. Unbelievable. Yeah, total heartbreak. I mean, it was totally their lack of understanding that that was a component in that death. I I hate that, but I hate that. And I'm sure you do too. Like, I hate that out that we give these people where it's like, well, they're new parents and, you know, they didn't know what's going on. It's like, read a manual. Listen to your doctor. Where's your parents? Like, you you can't let a baby 
You can't not check on a baby for ten hours. Yeah. There what are, are some common sense things that would that you think should should and I think they actually. Well, I think a lot of places accompany a lot more information home with that parent when they leave. But uh, this was just one of those tragic situations where, in this case, I know it wasn't a criminal act, but it was just tragic, and it's like that'll never leave them. And you know, so oh, is this a personal story that you're telling? Oh, I know somebody. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't be chiming no, in on that. No, but no, no. But, but the public response to that was very similar. To that. It's like, how can you not know? Come on. Well, because it, it, it is true. Like, I really hate seeing this type of thing happen to babies, and the parents are let off the hook because they're ignorant. Yeah. You shouldn't be having kids if you're ignorant, and we should have something in our system when it comes to having kids. It seems like we, we're so strict about so many other things, except for, like, when you have a baby. Well, is there a baby? Whatever happens, happens. Yeah. Oh, it died of SIDS? Yeah, that happens once in a while. Yeah, it babies. happens to people who leave their kids face down and don't check on them for 10 hours. Yeah. I think that... It happens It happens in other ways, too. Don't get me wrong. But. Yeah. The, the, the challenge we run into is the, the, the system is untenable. We currently have a couple billion people on the earth, and we keep cranking more kids out. And it's like dissemination of proper information, let alone how that kid... How those parents were brought up themselves or the kind of support system that it there are going to be situations where people fall through the cracks and these kind of tragedies happen intentionally to me, or no. to me i'm sorry yeah, I, yeah. I, reasons don't equate to excuses for me right i know you're not trying to make that right, right but you could you could point to any reasons that you want to point to um but it doesn't add up to an excuse for me uh, if there's a if there's a reason there's a way to 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 no, I'm, the word that coming to mind is medicate that but like fix that yes. like get, dude yeah. can you imagine leaving a baby no i can't alone for more than like more than like 20 minutes i can't i you know the only thing is like as a man when I first had my first kid, uh, there was a little bit of a lack of knowledge on like how this goes. Like, do we sure. just feed it when it cries, or is there something? You know, do well, we then wait? you're overprotective, though, if you're worried, right? Yeah. Here's here's what's happening when these people leave the baby. It's not that they're not un- uneducated; it's that they don't care. Yeah, I think well, and that's neglect. In this case, I think there are diff- like you said, there are factors here where maybe. It's it's not right. It's not right to say, but I think in a situation where where there is someone who is deemed unqualified to have a child, has a child, there should be a level of monitoring. I don't know. Is that the right word? Sure, Something I don't know. you know. I don't know. Put a baby mind on the parents. I don't know. It is it is difficult. I'm sorry. Once again, it's resources. You know, it's like what what resources were there? Blah 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 blah. Anyway, so. Anyway, that their first yeah. baby died of SIDS. Um, just about a year later, they had a baby girl named Kaisha, who, like her mother, was born a baby. <laughs> um, but it didn't take long for signs of Christie's incompatibility with motherhood to turn up. So her husband actually once reported her uh, to the police for biting baby Kaisha on the shoulder and leaving a visible wound. Uh, she she was actually convicted of child abuse on that, and her husband filed for divorce. Um, mm. So that's a thing. Um, but Christy was released and started a relationship with a guy named Robert Smith, not to be confused with Robert Smith, lead singer of The Cure. Um, but this was the other white Robert Smith. 
So within a year, Kaisha was sent to the hospital with bruising on her face. Uh, and when asked how she got the bruises, three-year-old Kaisha wouldn't answer. Couldn't answer, could not define it. I don't know the right term, but she was reluctant to provide a, a feasible excuse as to how she got the bruises. But when asked about a cigarette burn on her body, she said, Mom did that. Oh. Mm. Uh, so, so for days and months and years, up until her mother called triple zero to report her daughter missing, Kaisha had suffered a pretty long list of verified abuses at the hand of Christy. Did you catch how many days she went to school? I sure did. So just days before the call, uh, she was contacted by the Department of Education, to your point, uh, on suspicion that things weren't right with Kaisha, uh, seeing as how uh, she had only been to school four times. Christy, it seems, was keeping her home to hide her injuries, and ultimately uh-huh. the department told Christy, we're going to be taking legal action against you. And Christy, in true Christy fashion, just said, stay out of my business. Like, that's going to stop it <laughs> or something. And did it, though? Did they stay out of her business? Well, it wasn't an opportunity because there's more to the story. Because oh, this right, was yeah. days before her call that, that all that pressure was the walls were closing in on her. Uh, so there's more to the story. Whether Christy wants to tell it or not, do you want to hear the police interview that Christy gave or would you like me to play some ads? <laughs> I'd rather hear the police interview the dead air. Ah, well, how about we compromise, okay? I'll play some ads or dead air, and then we'll talk about it. Okay. All right. Here's some ads. <laughs> Gotta pay the bills. Gotta pay the bills. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're back. So here is the police interview that Christy gave. You ready for me to hit play? Yeah. All right. Here we go. Was she in the pajamas at the time, or was she better to get into the bathroom? You don't know. No, it's in the morning. In the morning. Had she changed from her pajamas, or was she still in her pajamas at the same? What? When she cut her head? No, she would have been. She was out, Would have been getting dried. I so she would have had, had nothing on. Okay, so she had. A, she's having showers. So the, the the kids have showers in the morning. Do they? The, the well, children. Morning and night, whenever. Mm-hmm. Okay. Would there be any reason why there'd be more blood, not just in her unit, but throughout the unit? What are you trying to say? I'm just saying that when we forensically examine the unit, there's a there's a amount of Kirsch's blood throughout the unit. And I'm just trying to ask you know. ask you how that would have got there. I don't know. No? Okay. Is that how you put her to bed that night, like that? No, I put the blanket over her. Okay, does she normally kick the blankets out when she's asleep? Yeah, because she sweats. Okay. So when the police found the bed, just simply like that, mm-hmm. that, was that unusual to find it like that, simply fold it back nice Well, it was unusual like not to see her in the bed. Yeah, I understand that, but I'm just saying that mm-hmm. the neatness of the bed. Would she normally keep a nice neat room? Well, she makes a bed every morning. Okay. The shoes were... So bedroom's generally tidy, is it? Yes, because I clean it. Okay. Are we talking about the park around your Woodstock? 
Yes, right next door. Right next door. Yes. Okay, so for Robert to end up in Westville at Mount Druitt, that is that unusual? What do you mean? Well, Robert's when he's left to a unit, he's gone into Westville, all the way to Westfield, looked inside Westfield. Like he's looked all the way where we walked down to the Westfields. Yeah, but you know, take it to the shops. I do. I could... now, I've been through a whole week of her life, and she hasn't left the unit. So, what are you trying to say? No, what I'm trying to say is, why did he end up down in Mount Druitt Shopping Centre? But he's look, he looked all the all around. And to go to Mount Druitt. Yeah, but what I'm saying is that you don't take her shopping. Why would she go there? She never been there, has she? She has. Maybe not the the week that you're talking about. Oh, you know what? This is over seriously. Because what are you trying to get at? All right, I'll move on. All I'm saying is, I'm saying that Robert, why did he go to Westfield? That's all I'm asking. It's a simple. To so have question. a look. You would have seen. You would have got the CT. That's a lot. a long. No, it's a long way from where you are. That's all. All right. So. I think it's fair very, to say that. Uh, very defensive. Yeah. Very defensive. Yeah. Robert Smith, Kaisha's stepdad, was also interviewed by police. And the contrast between the two interviews is pretty stark, where Robert is emotionally and seemingly devastated. He pauses for long periods of time when presented with the photo of Kaisha. Uh, the investigators later said that it seemed almost like during those long moments that Robert wanted to say more, that he wanted to tell them where Kaisha was, but instead, through sobs, he resolved to just saying, I just want her to come home. Yeah. yeah. I saw that uh, Robert. Robert is a small, well, he's smaller than uh, Christy is. Yes. You know, like he's he's like kind of like a beaten down bitch is what he is. Yeah. Like he, he's, you ever seen like, you know, like a really imposing woman and like this little twiggy, guy who's like oh yeah yeah thanks for having sex with me i'll do whatever you want <laughs> like that that's what's going on here yeah i would use the word diminutive there you go there we go yeah um so uh, there's a stark contrast there between his response and the defensiveness that's on display during christie's interview she responds suspiciously to really rather basic fact finding questions as if the officers were employing she had something to do with it which didn't help but make her just seem guilty right right so this proceeds for months christie and robert made television appearances pleading for information on kaisha's whereabouts friends and neighbors and the police they organized searches and Christy and Robert even posed for a photo shoot to support finding Kaisha. Can I say something about those yeah. those appearances too? Yeah. And as well with the call that we heard, she always does this uh, thing, like when she thinks she's supposed to cry. Yeah. It's um, crocodile tears is what they call them. Huh. And did you know that crocodiles actually cry while they're eating one of their victims? Like really? tears come out of their eyes. Yeah, so that's where crocodile tears comes from. Is because it looks like the crocodile is sad because there are tears coming out of a crocodile's eyes as it's chomping down on like a baby antelope. But it's not sad, clearly. <laughs> and it just looks like it's sad. Oh. The reason why the tears are coming out of the crocodile's eyes, they're not sure. But I think it's, they think, scientists, whatever, um, that it's like all the huffing and the hissing that a crocodile does when it's eating something. Uh, agitates the eyes and causes tears to come out. Really? So okay. Oh, so it's disingenuous. So it's not genuine tears. That's why they say crocodile tears. Crocodile I always tears, thought it was just yeah. big tears, but huh. 
<laughs> Big crocodile says, yeah. No, crocodiles actually cry while they're eating their, their prey. It, it looks like they're crying. They're just weep, like, you know, stuff's coming out of their eyes. Tears are coming out, but they well, not because they're sad. No, because they're not ha- not sad at all. They're actually eating, so they're fine. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Wow. Yes, no, and, and knowing that now, I would say that, yes, the, it seemed a lot that there were crocodile tears. Um, mm-hmm. This all kind of went on and on. Uh, then one evening, Christy was alone with an undercover police officer. She didn't know that the police officer was undercover. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a very good undercover police officer. Mm-hmm. She was secretly being filmed, too. and the, So the audio can be a bit hard to make out, but the intensity is worth a listen. Um, let's listen to it, and, uh, and then I'll translate some of the relevant parts afterward. You uh, ready for me to hit play on this? I am. Okay. Here we go. So, is there, um, all I'm trying to say is that when she hit her head, was there any blood on her? Any blood? Doesn't matter. I'm not talking about pork, any blood at all on her or anywhere else that you, that you could see as a result of her falling down and hitting her head. No. Are you sure? I'm positive. Was she sitting up? Was she sitting up or was she lying down? No, there? she just felt like jelly. Felt like jelly? No, but she was still there. Was she breathing at this stage, you think? Yes, she is, but it's like, I don't know, just weird. She was still breathing. She was looking at her, I told her to squeeze my finger. She could squeeze my finger. In her room or your room? Mine? Yeah, I So I could just punch her? Yes. But I fell asleep when we woke up in the morning. <laughs> she was just horrible. She was just what? What time of work? What time of morning was this, buddy? Um, nine or uh, like just in the, in the morning. And my, my dad got it, come up and then was put in the suitcase and put her in. So I put her in a room and in the suitcase and just shut the door. Then what's happened? And then uh, Rob's like, you know, riding. Around. You want to just try a bike riding around? No, I've got a push bike here. You've got a push bike from somewhere like down the road. I'm just digging around the hole. Oh, right. Yes, because he was worried about us. Okay. Did he get a shovel from your house? Did he do it all himself? Did he get help from anyone else? No, you got a hammer. Go ahead. Do you know? He's gone for ages. What? So 
Okay, so he left home with what? A push bike? Or no, he went, found someone's push bike. He went, yeah, he went. Found someone's push bike. Did he leave home with a shovel? Or he just no, nothing. For, nothing. He just went and scoped it out. Okay, so he's right, ridden a push bike out to the bushland. They would have taken him right now. No one else helped you? No. No. He's going to take you driver driving, is that? So from your, how did you get from, so the taxi driver took you from your unit to that place where you then, near Shelby, where you then went in the bushland and buried her with a suitcase, yeah? So you had her at one stage with a suitcase in a taxi. <sighs> this just keeps <clears throat> getting a shit. It's, I don't know if they're cutting it, like, together, but isn't it odd how her... Her emotion swells like that, like, and then she goes, meh, 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 yeah. Like I don't think they're cutting that. That's her, her going yeah. from where she thinks she should be showing emotion to her just coming back to being straightforward. It's weird. So a little bit of a heads up on this is the judge, the sentencing judge, was perplexed even because, um. I'll leave it at that. But the judge was perplexed. And in my mind, so here's here's where I'm perplexed. Is let's just say that she... I, I, when I say this, I'm not giving her a pass. I'm not giving her a pass. Let's just say she grows up in a way... The way to manage life, the way to get through is to is to just do what she has to do to protect herself to stay alive to 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 weather the storm of her father blah 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 sure she's also low on the intelligent quotient intelligence quotient which means that she's she's going to always be sort of um uh, grabbing for fundamentals, right? She, whether those are fundamentals of her life, her living, her ability to maintain a sustainable income, whatever those things are. But she's also has not <clears throat> spun out of this cycle. And so uh, she, I'm not going to say she doesn't know any better, but the way that she chooses to respond as a parent is a mirror of the way that she responded, right? She's a, like you That's said, a very nice way of saying what you're trying to say. I love what you're doing right there. What I'm saying is she's a big girl. She's a, she's a big girl that, that, uh, from, a, she's an imposing individual and she's yeah. not bright. Uh, put those two things together and make that person mad. They don't yeah. treat a child like they don't treat a child with humanity. They treat ch a child. They lose their own humanity and they end up acting in a very animalistic manner. Sure, a big oaf. Yeah, um, but in in that situ situation with the with the police, with the investigators who watching documentaries or uh, the sixty minutes thing that we watched. They're really good. Yes. Like these, these Australian investigators, these guys Solid. are really good. Like they're, they're so patient mm -hmm. and, and like they seem like nice guys, but they can be really hard in an instant. Not hard, but just like boom, a wall goes up and it's like, no, 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 you're not going to, 
we're not going to go down there. We've already been down there. We already figured that yes. out. You're not going to take us. You're not going to skew what's going on here. We're sticking to the facts. Mm-hmm. And he, they just like it's like a press. Yeah, like they keep pressing her, bringing her back <laughs> and to center, no... and bringing her back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's really good. And she's not used to dealing with people like this either. To, to your point, previous, she's she's imposing. She's used to being able to manipulate herself and the situations through emotion, which is hard to see it of like. Uh, an imposing person mm-hmm. when when they get emotional, right? You you kind of get a soft spot for you tend to like when you see a big man cry type thing, right? Or like a really hard woman like fall apart. She's using those manipulative techniques, and they're not working on these yeah. guys. They keep on sticking to the point. Exactly. So then she tries to go hard, and it's like that's not going to work at all either. But it would work in everyday life with her friends and the people around her. So it's it's interesting. It is. It's to, intriguing. Uh, see someone like this get squeezed. Yes. Uh, during that police interview, not the confession, but the interview. You could tell she was using textbooks, her stock terms, like when she's defensive and doesn't have an answer in life, she's probably uses that, what are you saying? What are you, what are you implying? Yeah, and then they back out because they're afraid of her. Exactly. So she's using those terms because like most people be like, hey, Kristen, I'm not saying anything, man. I was just wondering, you know, like, where, where are your kids at? Chill. You know, I'll, yeah, don't I'll bite leave. me. Yeah, and she's physically Don't imposing. put a cigarette out on me. Exactly. So, yeah, like you said, it's not working. It's not working on these police. So she, and, and then, so the, the, the still, the, the conflict that I find is... I perceive that these are genuine emotions that she's feeling. And what I'm finding in my mind is when you're talking about that shift, like that sob to the to the talk, sob to the talk. She's working. She's working angles. Either either she's extremely manipulative or that I believe that there are people that are abused that go into that mode where their emotions come out and then when they have to get back to reality. They're very unemotional. They just, boop, they come back into it, and they're like, and then this happened, there. and then this happened, and this happened. And then they give them a breath. You're right. And they and they mm-hmm. can't handle it because you think about it from her perspective. She can't wrap her head around how a couple kicks or blows to the head could kill her daughter, you know? Like yeah. it, it, it's not computing, and the rage is still there. The confusion's even bigger. I'm not trying to paint this like "woe is no, me" no, picture, no, but no. I'm trying to get in this, inside of this person's head. Where how do you get that sob and that fat? Just the facts, ma'am. Very unemotional, cranking out of facts See, or timeline. Very weird. I hear you, man. Uh, listen, the the thing is, when it feels like when the, you're in court and you're dealing with someone like this, and you just see them sitting there in the defendant's bench, uh-huh. and they're like all with their hat in their hand, and they're kind of like sobbing and stuff, and you you hear everything that we're hearing. It's easy to just look at what you got in front of you and be like, oh, yeah, we should have some kind of mercy yeah. on her. But you got to remember, her kid was bitten. Yes. Got cigarettes put out on her. Yeah. Was only in school for four days. Right. You got to see that person, how she behaved over a long period of time. I agree. And, and, and you got to give a sentence on this person. You, you got to see like how bad they are. Like it's easy, it's easy to forgive. It's in our nature. If you're a good person, good person. But you got to look at them as like a hard person. Mm-hmm. You got to look at them as like, what really are you all about? Like, I don't give a f- yes. what you're trying to show me right here. Let's, let's look at all the facts and see what you really are. I want to judge the person I'm seeing on paper fr- from real facts rather than the emotional feeling I'm getting off of this person face to face. And unfortunately, that doesn't happen. Most 
most of the yeah. time. You'll get a manslaughter charge or something like that. Oh, let them off. You know, they obviously feel bad about it. Oh, yeah? How bad did she feel when she was friggin' like starving her children right. or putting cigarettes out on them and beating them to death? Anyway. Yeah, it's the emotional plea that ends up influencing the sentencing oftentimes or the yeah, conviction. All the time. Uh, in reality, what it should be, or, well, we see it all the times in the movies. It's like, you know, the hero his life is threatened by the villain and then the situation flips and the villain's life is hanging by a thread over the cliff and the hero has him by the hand and the villain plays on his his sense of yes, justice his like, better nature you can't do this to me and and then he <laughs> saves him and then the guy's like ha ah! and then it's all you know and then the guy ended up i don't know hollywood the hero wins you know but but mm-hmm. in those situations i agree with you it's sort of the stuff that makes up the person to that point balanced with what what is the reasonable punishment for what has happened and that's where i'd hate to be a judge because you gotta kind of weigh all the evidence and then the emotion says put this person in a deep dark hole never let them out and then also put a grinder on top of them and grind them into a paste you know you know what i would like to see and i know there's more to this story that we gotta get too quick but so say you're charged with first degree murder and you're defense manages to fandangle it to like a manslaughter charge i would like to see a court system where it's like we gave that person a break they got off like they got off we we gave them the benefit of the doubt Mm -hmm. and then when they go to try to appeal that manslaughter charge and try to get less time even from there be like that is indication of this person being manipulative we've already given them enough and now they're trying to get even more yes that's indicative of somebody just being like, just wanting to be free. Like, if you truly committed it by accident, you'd be happy to take that charge because you deserve that punishment. That's the, to try to get away from it further is showing that you're just continuing just to slime yourself out of yes. it. And let's punish them right there, like on with common sense. Where's the common sense? Yeah, it sounds like uh, once you once you get used to the terms, it makes sense. Uh, but manslaughter is a pretty benign. As they go, conviction, uh, sentencing, right? Manslaughter means, well, somebody died because of what you did, but you didn't intend for it to happen. Mean to do it. You know, so yeah. it's a, you typically, historically, it's been a softer charge. But yes, no, totally. I agree that, like, to, to put more pressure on the legal system to try to get you out of a manslaughter charge, unless there's a preponderance of evidence that just says, yeah, we got to go with this and check it out. You're right. It seems like this person that should be penitent for the account accountable for the act that they committed isn't even wanting to be accountable for that i've seen manslaughter charges come down on people because the victim should have been strong enough to be withstand the punishment <laughs> that went upon them. right like yeah you know, yeah like another person would have lived through this so like you know it would have been a battery charge but now it's a death because that person was weak like, yeah, that's like the mentality. It's not the mentality outright, but that's basically what they're saying. Well, yeah. And uh, there's even cases that are happening right now, which is kind of like that. Well, there are additional extenuating factors that contributed to this person's death. Uh, you know, Yeah, like it was a child yeah. <laughs> and, and children die easier. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Ah, but you're right. And that's where the legal system becomes a quagmire, I guess. Mm-hmm. All right. So. Uh, let me translate a couple of the things that were said in that. Um, so Christie's first asked if there was any blood at all when she f- uh, fell down and hit her head because the the undercover guy is still going with the story, the narrative that she just fell down. And Christie said no, but in reality, what had happened is Christie had given Kaisha several blows to the head while she was on the ground near the bed or somewhere around there. 
um, there's blood evidence in her room and then throughout the house that uh, that indicate that it was more than just a pink bulk and she's on the ground, you know, kind of a thing. Um, she was asked whether she was sitting up or lying there, and then you hear Christy say she was just felt like jelly. The undercover officer repeats she felt like jelly, like, you know, I'm guessing just limp, like, like not right. there. But she also said... Uh, she said, yeah, but she was still there, uh, meaning that she was still awake or alert or something. And so the, the officer confirms, like clarifies, saying she was still breathing at that stage. And she said, yeah, but weird, like a weird kind of a breathing. Like you could imagine like a death rattle, either a death rattle or someone that was um, unconscious. You know, that snore mm -hmm. breathe. That snore, yeah, yeah. That they do. I hear you. She says, she was looking at me, and I told her to squeeze my finger, and she could squeeze my finger. Then I put her in the room on a fold-out lounge. Um, at some point... Didn't they give her a shower first? Yes, so, yes exactly. Uh, so at some point after Kaisha had, Kaisha had received the blows to her head, Christy and Robert put her in a shower. Cold shower. Cold shower. And then put her in Christy's bed uh, so that, as Christy said, she could, quote-unquote, watch her. Uh, but she says that she fell asleep, and in the morning she wasn't breathing. Um, the undercover officer asked her then what happened, and she said, we didn't know what to do, so I went to the garage and got a suitcase. It was around oh, 9 yeah. in the morning, and they got her put into the suitcase and then put her in a room in the suitcase and then shut the door. All right, typical behavior, yeah. yeah. And then Rob went riding around on his bicycle, not his bicycle. <laughs> he stole a bike <laughs> and goes around and uh, he finds a place uh, out this this road, they say out in the bush. Uh, it's, it's sort of a forested area and he takes oh, yeah. a hammer with him and he digs a shallow grave with the hammer. Um, yeah, right. Typical tool to use to dig a grave yeah, is a hammer. Exactly. <clears throat> Guy's compensating for his lack of a tool by being a super big tool. You know what happened? Is that he didn't want to go driving around on his little bike with a shovel. Yeah. Because that would look a little Suspicious. bit like conspicuous. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he took a little, little, you know, he took a smaller tool. Yeah. So Chrissy says that he was gone for ages. And after he found a spot, they waited two days with the with Kaisha in the suitcase in their house. And then they anonymously called a cab, had the cab driver pick them up from a neighbor's house. The cab Disguised themselves yes, as well. Yes, disguised themselves. That's correct. Cab driver dropped them off about two kilometers away, and they dragged Kaisha in the suitcase to the hole that Robert had dug previous. And before burying the suitcase, Robert doused the suitcase and burned her remains. Cool. Yeah. So back in the uh, back in the undercover confession, uh, which took place, which by the way would have been on Kaisha's seventh birthday, mm -hmm. after Christy had confessed and described the location, she was encouraged by the undercover officer to show where she was buried. So the lead investigators were both notified that they were on that they were heading on site uh, when Christy and the undercover officer showed up. They were there. They were there. And it was at that point that Christy realized what had happened. And after locating the shallow grave, she was placed under arrest. Robert Smith, subsequently, placed under arrest as well. Yep. So Abrahams, Christy Abrahams, pled guilty on the morning of her trial. 
which was bound to be a very lengthy trial. Um, but that morning, she pled guilty and was such given a 10% reduction in the potential sentence that she might receive. Uh, she ultimately ended up being hit with a sentence of 21 years and six months. She was also sentenced to 18 months for interfering with a corpse. Uh, with the two penalties combined, the judge, Ian Harrison, sentenced her to a minimum of 16-year term with time. No parole. Uh, she'll be eligible for parole in 2027. But, you know, right. you know how that goes. So she got 16 years, no parole, and then 22 years max or something like yeah, that? Yeah, 21. That's, that's how it yeah. works out? Yeah. yeah, 22, around there. Um, so, once again, the, conf- the conflicting, the, the, the difficult job of being the judge. Judge Harrison said that he couldn't be satisfied that Christie intended to kill Kaisha, or that she was responsible for sustained abuse of her daughter. Uh, she meant to send you, but that she meant to seriously injure her. Um, he said, how Kaisha died is not known to me, and I have been unable to provide a satisfactory version to replace it, he said. Um, he said that the murder of a vulnerable and defenseless child in her care was in the mid-range of seriousness and believed she is unlikely to reoffend. Yeah. She killed the first kid, probably two. Yeah. Anyways. Well, whatever. yeah, exactly. Well, done, and, done. and so once again, the judge's job is to go off of the evidence at hand, right? Right. And emotionally, I'm sure he wants to put her in a deep, dark hole, but he's got to go off of... I mean, I have a lot of respect for judges, the ones that do it right. Um, <clears throat> on the other hand, you have um, Allison Anderson, uh, who is a former friend and neighbor of Christie's. Uh, she said, rot in hell. <laughs> yeah, she shouted that out in the courtroom yeah. where she's being taken away, right? Yep. So oh. the, uh, the court was explained the version that Christie uh, pled that she gave a little nudge after a struggle to put pajamas on. Um, she, uh, the, the court came back and said that that wasn't accepted, that it wasn't consistent with the medical evidence that Kaisha's postmortem revealed serious physical abuse with the court told, uh, uh, which, which the court told the damage escalated in seriousness, particularly in the last 18 months of her life. So even though the body was burned, uh-huh. that was they still evident. Stuff. Yeah. Can I can I say one thing that they found yeah. that which I found to be credible was that they could tell from her arm bones that her arms had been twisted <sighs> in the past. You know what that means? Like for the bones to show that? Yeah. That's intense. <sighs> I mean if the bones show that, you can imagine how damaged the ligaments could have potentially been in the joints. That there were probably long periods of time where she was suffering. Because that's not like a, oh, I got my arm twisted eight seconds ago and now it doesn't hurt anymore. That's consistent. Cons- yes, it's consistent. And there's a reason why she wasn't going to school. She was being consistently abused. I, where does the common sense come yeah. in? I, I, but yeah, the judge has to deal with what he's got clearly. They, there, are, there are a lot of... Um, reports out there and a lot of commentary on this including the judge that says that this was a a failure on several fronts um friends family the educational department police many people knew 
that this was happening, but nobody was putting up enough of a red flag to say this is this needs to stop. Um, mm. For whatever reason, this was a symphony of of failures. What buddy get the skinny dude? Yeah, Robert, boyfriend. Yeah, he got. Um, uh, he was he pled guilty to manslaughter in December of yeah. 2011 and was sentenced to 16 years in jail. Oddly enough, like you said, he actually appealed his manslaughter charge. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. He burned the body. He burned her body. And because he burned her body, the exact cause of her death will never be known. <laughs> he dug the grave. He burned the body. You know he dragged the friggin' suka. <laughs> In my mind, if you ever catch me dragging the body of a six-year-old girl into the woods, digging its grave and letting it on fire, kill me. Yeah. Like, what else do I deserve? <clears throat> I agree. Can you... Can, would you ever drag no. a little girl in a suitcase dead? You're, no, like, and and not like, only that, could, but could, it either it either speaks to what a coward he was because he yeah. was so manipulated by her, or what a monster he was because he was complicit to that level. And I'm leaning more toward monster because he appealed his freaking manslaughter charge. That's just come on. Hey, how about this? When the when uh, the mother was Kristen was was beating on her child, we know she was yeah. went, putting cigarettes in and all this stuff. He was there the whole yeah. time. Just a little Talk about tiny somebody weekly. speaking up. He could have spoken. Like, he should have. He should have acted uh, for her. You know. You know who did the best job here? Her ex husband. Oh yeah. Threw, him in, threw right. her in jail for biting her. I, uh, more of that, please. Well, he he actually ended up dying, right? Did he? Did you know that? Yeah. No. He had, uh, I don't, didn't mean to laugh there, but he had like diabetes. He he wasn't there. I, I, like he wasn't present. A part, he wasn't a part of the girl's life or yeah. anything like that either. Um, they had a pretty messed up past with their first child dying and all that stuff. But yeah, no, he he was pretty, pretty um, torn up about the whole thing. He had some uh, pretty... I keep on saying pretty. He has a brutal like diabetes going on mm. with himself, and they found him dead in his bed like a few years after his uh, his daughter died here. Yeah, you know, and there's a lot of social, um, societal kind of things that were going on with you know. Eh, it's a it's a yeah, quagmire. You, there's a lot, lot going on. That was a long episode, man. We I think we did a good enough. Do you do you have it up? You know what I do? Or I sure do. And guess where it guess where it came from. Australia. Yeah. Good job, buddy. Thanks. It's a triple zero call. A girl named Lily Talbot. This one will warm your heart to pieces. So, you ready for me to play on it? I'm freezing. Okay. Here comes the warmth. Thank you. Ambulance emergency, what town or suburb? Um, my daddy just fell over and he's yeah, what, bleeding. What and suburb he's... are you in? Um, I'm in Carrigon. Okay, so an old man's fallen over? He's fallen over, he's unconscious and he's bleeding from the head. And from okay, the how head. old are you? I'm 11. Okay, is there any adults there with you? No, Molly's right. trying to get Molly from the fire, my sister. Oh, okay, and you're home by yourself? With my daddy, yeah, All he right. just fell over. Wait, who fell over, your dad? My daddy, and he's bleeding from the head. How old's your dad? Um, he's 50. Okay, alright. Is, is he awake now? No, Daddy. Yeah, he's, he's just 
wake up. Is he talking to you, honey? No. Daddy. Okay, listen, is he breathing? Yes. Okay, all right. How far did he fall? He fell from the ground onto concrete. Okay. Do you know why he fell? Do you know yes, what caused... Yes, the horse pulled back and... The what, darling? My mum's my horse pulled back and he catapulted, he catapulted and... Okay, did he, did he, did the horse hit him? Yeah, and he fell over and he, I think he cracked his head. Okay, so where, what part of the horse hit him? I think the front of him. In the front? Okay, where's your horse now? He's tied up still. Good girl, alright, now is there any serious bleeding? Yes. Yep. His okay. head and his... Alright, is he completely alert now? He's awake, Is yes. he talking to you like I'm talking to you? Are you talking? Can you talk? Not really? Kind of. Sounds a little bit funny, doesn't yeah, it? Okay, listen. Now, the ambulance is being organised, okay? Yes. Now, is there a lot of bleeding from his head? Yes. Okay, go on. All right. What's it's your name? He's trying to get up. Tell him to stay still. Dad, stay still. You tell him the ambulance said stay the still. The ambulance is coming. Okay, what's your name, darling? Lily. Lily? Yes. All right. Now, where? Is it a big property? Um, yes. It's 10 acres. All right. Now, what I want you to do is turn the lights on in the house. Can you do that it's for me? In the stables. Oh, okay. It's on concrete. All right. Now, I'm going to stay on the phone with you. Okay. Yes. The ambulance Dad, is on its way. Still. Tell Daddy to stay nice and still. Stay still. Now, stay have you got a cloth near you? I've got towels. Good girl. Just put that on his head and yes. apply firm pressure. Okay. Under your head. Yep. You're doing a fantastic job. Just stay on the phone. Yep, sure. You tell Daddy to stay nice and still. Don't let him eat or drink anything. No, okay, Lily, we're coming. My name's Wendy. I'm hi, gonna Wendy. Hi, honey. I'm going to stay on the phone with you. Okay. All right, now where's Mum gone? Which... She's over at Windsor trying to get Molly. How old's Molly? Um, she's only eight, she's 13. Okay. Does me to open the gate so the ambulance can come in? Sure. Come in. Hello? Yeah, hi Lily. Hi. You've done that? Yeah, I've got my neighbour too. Oh, good girl. He's going to talk clearly now. Oh, good, but tell him not to move. Alright. Okay, now, have you got some pressure on the bleeding? Because we need to control the bleeding from his head, honey. I think he's starting to stop bleeding. Oh, good. So was he putting your horse away? Lily? Yes? Was he putting your horse away, was he? No, um, but just... Uh, um, sorry, just try to pull, pull back again. Did someone something to frighten him? Yeah. What's your horse's name? Arnie. Arnie. Okay, <laughs> is he talking now, honey? Yeah, he's talking a bit. Does he know what happened? Um, he fell back and he's bleeding from the ear. Is he and bleeding he... from inside the ear? Um, yes. Yeah. yeah? Um. Tell him to stay, stay still. Yep. Dad, stay still. Take a deep breath. Yeah. I bet it scared you. Yeah. Yeah. Dad, Dad scream and cry. Yeah. I thought I was, about to, I thought I was going to ring my mum, but I thought this would be better. You've done a terrific job, Lily. It's the first thing you do. You ring triple zero yeah. so we can get help coming to you. Yeah. Okay. Is he only bleeding from the one side of the ear or both? I think so. That's what he fell onto and he started to grip his arm. But I think he's moving it. But... You're doing a terrific job for your dad. You just keep reassuring him that we're coming, yeah. okay? 
and okay. to Candace stay really still. Nice and still. Okay. Good girl. Can you get your neighbour yeah, to put the, the car next to the gate that's open with the hazard lights on? That makes it easier to find you. Uh, Can you ask him to do that for me? Sure. Thanks, darling. Great. Good girl, Lily. Yeah, he's back on to do it. Good, good, good job. You're doing a terrific job for Dad. You just keep reassuring him we're coming. The ambulance is coming to help you, Dad. Good girl. Thank you for helping me. You're all right, darling. I'm just glad you're being such a brave girl. It's my pleasure to help you. I'm not going to go anywhere until the ambulance actually gets there. Okay. You are, you've done such a terrific job for your dad. It's his birthday today. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, my Lord. And Mum's gone to get your sister near the fires and Dad's yeah. been knocked over by a horse and you're being just the brave grown-up girl of the family. Mm. Aren't you? Mm -hmm. That's okay. Do you go to school? Yes. Okay. Do you like it? Yes. That's good. Have you had any emergency calls today? Oh, lots, and you're one of them. <laughs> yes. We don't know any other injuries you've got, so the ambulance officers are going to check in from head to toe okay. and make sure that everything's okay. Thank you. All right. Lily, when you look outside, can you see if there's any smoke haze around, you know, from all the fires in Windsor? Does it look really hazy outside? No, not really, because trees are covering most of it. And it's a bit of a busy area. This will be something to tell the guys at school, won't it? <laughs> <laughs> and Mum, she'll be proud of you. And your big yeah. sister. Hey? Hey? Yeah, of course they will, darling. You've been very proud. You've, you've been brave. There's a white towards you. Yeah, I've told them that the car's in the driveway with the hazard lights on, sweetie. Okay, thank you. Good girl. They're coming down the drive now. Okay, you tell me when they pull up, and then you tell me when they're with Dad. Okay. You stay there with Daddy. They'll come up to you. Yeah, they're coming? Yeah. All right, now I'm going to let you go and you talk to the ambulance officers. Right. And I just want to tell you what a wonderful job you've done for Dad, okay? And thank you for your help. Okay. All right, I'm going to let you go now, darling. You take yeah. care, okay? All right, that's all right. My pleasure. Bye, darling. All right. Well, Lily saved the day. Uh, when I saw, hey, anytime you see a 911 call and you're like, nine minutes, sweet. <laughs> you let that play until you're like, this is boring. So. Yeah, you just, you're just, like I said, like hoping for him to try to like grog his way on back on Arnie and show him what <laughs> for you. Know? drama. <laughs> Dad? What's he doing now? Well, he's bleeding from the ear, but he's also riding yeah. away on Arnie. He's cold cocked the horse right in the eye. Yeah, the horse is down now. Oh, horse is bleeding from the ear. You're bleeding? <laughs> yeah, he's bleeding. <laughs> yeah. Those, those girls, I, I think it was two girls in the call, right? Like the... Sisters, wasn't there two different girls that came onto that call? Or was it the same? No, one yeah, the just that one, just the one, and she right. had like her neighbors there. She was directing them around, and that was cool. Uh, yeah. That was cool. How she kept her. She didn't like the operator didn't bother to ask anybody else to come onto the call. Yeah. The girl was handling, she was handling so, well. so well, and she made you know she was like I could have called my mom, but I decided this would be better. Yeah, right now. Oh, that killed me, and she's so right. There's there's full grown adults that don't have the same sense. Yeah. Sorry, I just read a 
I just saw an email come through that was like mean <laughs> from a listener. Oh, well, that's, that's, that's get, not the way I want to end this. <laughs> get used to it. Yeah. It's not a hugs, it's a shrug. So well, hey, we covered a lot of ground on this. Um, and uh, I think we I think we came out better for it, you know. Gosh, I guess I'm just tired. <laughs> me too. That was kind of exhausting. That was a long, long one. Well, thanks for hanging hanging in there with me, and uh, I'm going to go in and hug my children now. Yeah, me too. I'm going to go beat the crap out of my <laughs> girl. <laughs> Show her. All right, <laughs> boss. You know, Pixar. It didn't happen. No. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. We're terrible. Nah. All right, hugs everyone. Hi, it's me, the operator again. Uh, normally, I write out my outros and just uh, read what I write and make it sound like, try to make it sound like I don't write them. But this time I'm just shooting from the hip. I'm so grateful for what you give me and Jack and Kent back here at 1159. Every time we put out an episode of whatever crazy content we're putting out we get such a great response from you whether it's the ratings and uh hey we even take those one star ratings to heart and we consider what you're saying and then we throw it in the garbage and go and curl up in bed for a while no but seriously i love getting messages from you um i love getting the one-on-one messages on Facebook Messenger or your comments on our posts or just the amazing community we we this is such a weird thing that's been created here by you literally by you not not us we're grateful that you're along for the ride um, and we hope that you will continue to check out our shows here at 1159 and um, that's about all I've got to say I Glad I didn't write the script because I got kind of teary-eyed right there and I couldn't read the script anyway. So here, here we are. This is the end. Hugs. So much hugs to you.